Well, as we share together in God's word this morning before we take the Lord's Supper, I would like you, if you would, to turn with me to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, and just hold your place there for a few moments, if you would. Before we begin, I just want to mention tonight, um, we have a young couple that is going to be with us tonight, Brian and Kelly Morrison. They are full-time staff with uh, Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Wonderful young couple. Had an opportunity to meet with them and talk with them at length. And they are coming tonight to share about what God is doing at Michigan State University. And I think in our passion for the nations, which is so much at the heart and soul of this church, that sometimes we forget that God is powerfully at work on college campuses. There are Christian ministries on campuses all over this nation in which God is working mightily. And I would like you to come out tonight for two reasons. Number one, I want you to hear about that. We need to hear about that. Number two, this is a young couple in the early part of their ministry and I think it would be encouragement and a real encouragement for them to have you here. Just to, just to want to come to encourage someone else. Well, this morning, I want us to really think about 2016, this new year that is upon us. Last Sunday, if you were with us, I shared a year-end message. Where have we been? Where are we going in our spiritual lives? This morning, I want us to think about God's work in you. Now, next week we have Tom Lothamer with us for Life Matters, from Life Matters Worldwide, formerly Baptist for Life for Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. We've taken a break for the from our series in 1 Peter for Christmas and New Year's. And then on the 17th, we will return, just so you know where we're headed, we will return to our study through the book of 1 Peter. But this morning, I want us to think about something a little different, about God's meticulous, sovereign work in your life. And that's our first point this morning, is the sovereign power of God. In 2016, I want to place a special emphasis on the powerful working of God, not only in the world, but in your individual life. Now, we know and we have proclaimed in this church that God is on the move among the nations. God is on the move among the people groups of the world. And we know that God is on the move in history. We see God fulfilling his plans as outlined for us in the book of Revelation. And this is not instead of that. This is in addition to that. I want you to think with me that God is powerfully at work in your individual life. In this year to come. He wants to manifest his power in you if you are willing. 
Now, for this message, again, something a little different this morning, I have relied heavily on an article and some teaching by John Piper and some other writers of Desiring God Ministries. And so I give them full credit this morning. I just want you to know that I give them full credit and I rely heavily on some things that have been impressed upon me really for the last couple of years. So I'm sharing something with you that I want or hope to be important for our church in the year to come. In 2012, there were two widely read tweets from Desiring God. The first one was this, and they're, they're companions. The first one was this, every moment in 2012, God will be doing 10,000 things in your life. I love that. God is working in your ways way beyond what you understand. So I want to change it to this for First Baptist Church for this year. In 2016, or every moment in 2016, God will be doing 10,000 things in your life. I just want you to think about that. Every moment in 2016, God will be doing 10,000 things in your life. The companion tweet is this. John Piper writes, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. Don't you love that? That is great. God is doing so much more in your life than you realize. He is doing things in you and through you and for you that if you understood them all, they would boggle your mind. And faith is believing that this is true. Faith is believing that God is powerfully at work in your life. In Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph, the world makes no sense to him until he comes into the presence of the Lord. Now, I have preached on this psalm before, so we're not going to go through the whole psalm. I just want to take a few excerpts from it for us this morning that goes along with this theme. In the first three verses, Asaph is concerned. He is envious of the wicked because it seems that they are prospering. It seems that they are successful. They have abandoned God. They have turned their backs on God, and yet it seems like all is well with them. He writes, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Oh, Lord, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the arrogant have blessings and good things in their lives? And then he goes on to talk about his lament, his discouragement with this, until we come to verses 16 and 17, which are at the very heart of this psalm. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. When I came into the presence of God, my perspective changed. When I became Godward focused, when I became heavenly focused, my perspective, my understanding changed. 
And then in verses 23 through 28, there is this great crescendo of praise. And he says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. When you come into the sanctuary of the Lord, when you come into the presence of the Lord, you can say with confidence and without shame, whom have I in heaven but God? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides him. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And we cry out to the living God, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made, I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And Asaph reminds us of this. What we see is not reality. What we see is not always the truth and God is doing far more far more than we will ever understand well that brings us to our second thought this morning and that is trusting God the Bible is literally full of examples of God working in the lives of his children in ways that went far beyond their understanding and as you read your Bible in 2016. I want you to notice this. Whether you are reading through the whole Bible or just reading portions of the Bible, I want you to see that in the historical records of Scripture, God is doing far more in people's lives than they understood at that particular moment. Last week, I shared with you from the book of Philippians, and I talked about the fact that the Apostle Paul was in prison, and according to the culture and custom of the day, was probably chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. And it looked like, it looked like a very bleak situation for Paul. And to the human eye, what I would see or you would see was, oh no, Paul's in prison, but in Philippians 1, Paul says that it was made known throughout the entire imperial guard and to everyone in that area that he was in prison for the sake of Christ. And it is likely that the gospel was spreading among the prison guards. And Paul also tells us that the brothers who were outside of jail became emboldened to share the gospel because Paul was in prison. They saw my brother in the faith is willing to go to prison for the gospel and so they proclaimed it even more boldly. So what looked like a dark situation was actually a powerful movement 
of the gospel. We think of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and Paul has this thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was and it's probably good that we don't because we all have our times of testing and tempting and suffering in our own lives. And Paul said it, he begs with God three times to take it away, but God refuses to do so because he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. So in 2016, in your times of suffering, in your times of trial, it may be that God is allowing you to be weak so that his power can be perfected in you. We think of John chapter 11 where Mary and Martha had lost their brother Lazarus and they knew that Jesus could have healed him. If Jesus had chosen to do so, he could have healed Lazarus, but he chose not to. But little did they know that God was about to show forth his glory in a magnificent way. We think of Joseph in the book of Genesis, sold into slavery, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, forgotten in a prison cell. Little could he have known, little could he have known that God was preparing him all that time to rule the mightiest nation on earth at that time in history. We think of Naomi in the book of Ruth. She and her family is driven from their homeland because of a famine, and she loses her husband. Her husband dies, her sons die. She's left desolate with one foreign daughter-in-law, but oh, what a story. Little could she have known that God, through Ruth, was about to bring her an ancestor who would be in the line of David and ultimately the line of the Messiah. We think of Mary in Luke chapter 1. Here is this pure, sexually pure young girl and God comes to her but because of that she is falsely accused of sexual immorality, probably accused of having a child out of wedlock but then then she watches her son grow up and she spends her entire life in amazement and wonder of who her son is. But little could she have known that at that time. We think of the book of Esther and Xerxes one night is sleepless. He can't get to sleep that night and so one of his officials bring him a random book that he is read to him. And through what is read in that book, he chooses to honor Mordecai, to spare the Jews, and to kill Haman, the enemy of the Jews, or to put him to death. One night, one night, Mordecai couldn't have known. Haman couldn't have known. One night, a random book is brought to the king, and history changes for the Jewish people. I have encouraged you many times before to read over and over again Hebrews chapter 11 to read about those great men and women of faith who believed God, who walked with God. And it says in Hebrews 11 that they died without ever receiving the fullness of the things promised to them. And yet they still believed and they still walked with him. They spent their lives believing that God was doing more in their life than what they could ever understand. And of course, the greatest example of all 
is the day when God ordained for his son to be crucified on a Roman cross. It appeared that Jesus, who claimed to be the cross, excuse me, who claimed to be the Christ, had been totally defeated. It appeared that Satan, the enemy of God, had won a great victory. It appeared that God's plan had been ransacked and everything turned to chaos. It appeared to be one of the darkest days in the history of the universe, but this was a day of glorious victory. It was not what you saw. This was, in actuality, in reality, a day of glorious victory. In Christ, God had triumphed over sin and death. In Christ, God had accomplished our salvation. In Christ, God could now forgive our sins as far as the east is from the west. In Christ, God had secured our eternal salvation, our eternal life, and our eternal hope, great hope beyond the grave. And so we can say, we can say with great boldness and great confidence, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? So I say to you, every moment in 2016, God will be doing 10,000 things in your life. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. God is doing in you and through you and for you things that would boggle your mind if you understood them all. Faith is believing this. Faith is believing it's true. As we share the bread and the cup this morning, let us worship. Let us worship our Savior. And let us believe this morning that God is doing in my life and in your life more than you could ever ask or imagine. My prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that God will take every one of us to new heights of faith in our walk with him in 2016. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.